pirates we are born, pirates obey, we live on our ship, out on the sea, we rain and plunder every warner, gets in a way, that's what happens in an average pirate day. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Buck Bros Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my Buck Bros, Bryce, John, and Zach. I am Buck Bro Ryan, and we are bringing you everything Buccaneers football. Guys, it's the first time we have to deal with a loss, so let's jump into our Game 3 review against the Eagles. Let's get a little therapy session going since we're dealing with not a Victory Tuesday. Guys, I want you to just say something lighthearted, keep it nice. What's one positive you take away from our week three loss against the Philadelphia Eagles? Hey, Brocasters. Yeah, uh, not a whole lot went right on Monday Night Football for us there. But the one thing I did enjoy, since we are keeping things lighthearted here, uh, is the induction of Rondé Barber into, well, I guess he was already in the Hall of the Buccaneers Ring of Honor, but he was presented his ring for the Hall of Fame. It was awesome to see. They brought back a bunch of Bucks legends. Mike Allstott was on the ship throwing, you know, beads and T-shirts to the fans. I think I saw Sap was there, Brooksy. You know, it was just awesome feeling to kind of reminisce about the good times when, you know, we, you know, set the, you know, shut the vet down in 2002, and Rondé Barber took it all the way back to the house. Uh, the best play in Buccaneers history. So that was awesome to see. Love it. Um, no one, nothing's going to dampen that for Mr. Barber. And, you know, as a person who has assigned ball by said, man, it was cool to see. I, I like the fact that he thanked all the Eagles fans for coming out to celebrate with him. That, that, that was pretty clean. I, I appreciated <laughs> that. Um, Bro, did you watch that documentary about him? He, he was a big shit talker. Like, oh yeah he talked a lot of shit on the field and he can back it up and that and that's what we liked about a lot of those players from that era obviously was that they they kept it real i i thought the defense considering they were playing what is probably what the best team in the nfc maybe the best team in the nfl right now i i thought the defense looked okay considering how banged up we were especially in the secondary uh guys like uh d delaney um and Eason make, making big plays to the best of their ability. I, I thought we looked okay. I, I love the interceptions. The interceptions make you feel good. Um, obviously wondering what happened there with, with Devin White, but um, obviously he's working through some kind of injuries. But I, I thought the defense looked good. We never looked truly out of it, um, and, th and that's always a good thing. So we've never looked good on prime time. We've never looked good under the lights, but at least looked like we came to play. Yeah, I would say someone along those lines, if I had to say something nice, um, we didn't lose the turnover battle in the game. We pushed. And Baker threw fewer picks than Jalen Hurts. So I guess that would be bright spot. It wasn't a complete, like, it wasn't lopsidedly sloppy in the turnover department on our side. Yeah, I think obviously not a whole lot to say in a good light for the Bucks after that game. But what I will say, and I think hopefully this keeps us going forward, is that the Bucks continue to fight, even though it looked like they were down and out. You know, Mike Evans is still making 
trying to make plays, even though he's dropping balls left and right in the first quarter. He made some unbelievable grabs and um, got that final touchdown. And, and the defense continued to try to do as much as it could uh, against that pretty, <laughs> pretty stout offensive line. Uh, so I think that's going to be a key characteristic for the Bucks going forward because this is our first taste of adversity in the young season. And it's how we respond to this adversity that's, I think, going to make or break how the Bucks perform uh, going forward here. If Mike catches any of those four drops from the first half, we go we go into we go into halftime winning instead of losing. He he makes any catch, and it's Mike Evans, so so you want to believe him, you know. Um, and hopefully he's going to bounce back, and I believe that he will bounce back. But he makes any any one of those individual catches, and we're in the red zone on two of them. You know, we've got first downs on all of them if he makes any of those catches. And one was in the end zone. What do you mean? What, it would have been a touchdown. It would have been seven to three if you just held on to that one. That ah, uh, that was the one. Like, We're saying dude. something nice though. So I did Sorry. have on my yeah. list of my options was Mike <laughs> tried to redeem himself in the second half with really great catches, very contested. He had a video game catch at one point. So it'd be easy to say, Mike, why are you dropping five balls or whatever in that game? Five out of ten targets, not great. But we're saying something nice. So Mike, good job in the second half. You know, in the in Baker and Mike linked up after the the third drop pass, and they kind of you know dap each other up and try to get and hype each other back up. There there wasn't a lot of animosity there. Um, there wasn't the screaming that you would have seen last season from Tom Brady uh, when he disrespected his his players a lot. Um, so it was nice to see a little bit more camaraderie on, on the sideline. Did you say something nice to slander Tom Brady? <laughs> Tom Brady was our quarterback for a while. <laughs> That's nice. That's something nice, and we're going to take it. Okay, yeah. Well, guys, let's get to a segment, um, something we've been doing week to week, by the numbers. Again, I'm going to provide you guys some numbers that came out of week three against the Eagles. It's your job to see what the numbers represent from the game. So I've got two numbers for you guys. If you're listening, please play along at home, see if you guys can get this. The first number is... 2105. Sounds like TLP. 21.05 or 2105. 21 colon 05. Yeah, time of possession. Oh, time of possession. Yes, it's the time of possession for the Bucks. By far the least amount of time they've had this season. I know one of our keys going into the game was time of possession, keeping the Eagles offense off the field. Obviously, not something we were successful in. The second number, 44. Rushing yards. It's actually very close, but it's not. We had 41 rushing yards. Oof. Yards on first down? No. Second down. It is a stat related to time of possession. Was it? Was that total number of plays? Total number of plays. Oh, that's a nice lot. one, Johnny boy. 44 total plays run by the Bucks. That would be 34 fewer plays run than the Eagles. That's how you win, baby. <laughs> Saving all that energy for the rest of the season. I got it. What was the split run to pass? 
I don't have that number in front of me. It's not in the statistics. I'll go look up. Uh, I know from an article I read, they ran 10 rush plays and 11 rush plays in the second half. So it's probably so somewhere pretty even. Equal. Yeah. Balance, yeah. you know, balance above all. All right. <laughs> doesn't matter if well, we can't run the ball. Gotta be balanced. Say something nice. Oh, we gave up fewer ball. rushing yards in Minnesota. So we keep trying to say something nice. If you can't rush the ball, you may as well not catch the ball, right? Now we're getting into John McKay territory yeah, I was here. Just gonna say John McKay, hey, we can't tackle. Let's not block either. Well, thank you for playing by the numbers, guys. Yes, the Bucks gotta do a much better job next week in time of possession and total number of plays. Can't be getting outplayed 34 times. I will, I do want to keep up with the NFC South. Luckily, and to say something positive, keeping in the lighthearted theme, all of the NFC South teams lost this week. So Saints, Panthers, and Falcons, along with our Buccaneers, all took a loss, which means the Buccaneers are still poised at the top of the NFC South, and they'll have an opportunity this week against the Saints to claim the top spot. But we're jumping a little ahead of ourselves. So a little bit of moving on from the NFC South now to kind of around the league we've got don't push me bro and we're going to talk about kind of that notorious play that we saw all game with the eagles it's that push play where the two backs get behind jalen hurts and everybody's at the line they almost automatically get a yard and zach i know you were furious with us when we were texting throughout the game what's the deal with this play should it be illegal do you think it should be illegal Sure. So I just want to start by reading you the definition of the word exploitative. So that is making use of a situation or treating others unfairly in order to gain an advantage. So in my mind, the push play is a clear exploit that needs to be illegal in the NFL as it is in college. For some reason, the game gets easier in one regard when you become a professional. The push play at its core is all seven down linemen are bunched up together, quarterback, three guys behind him, seven guys cut blocking all at once. Very unsafe. It player safety, important elsewhere, not here. Seven guys cut blocking all at once. Your quarterback, hopefully a tiny guy, will just get on top of this bed of grown men and then three larger men will get behind that tiny quarterback and just shove him as hard as they can. Push, 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 push. And the play lasts forever because that quarterback is not going to be down by contact. He's on top of a dozen grown men. And his forward progress isn't going to be stopped for a while because there are three unblocked dudes behind him shoving him. The whole thing is a mess. It, it was petitioned to be outlawed after last season. It wasn't for some other reason. And I just want to throw out that shame on all of the broadcasters last year who put up Jalen Hurts' conversion rate on fourth and one next to Tom Brady's, as if they're parallel in any way. Because Tom Brady ran a QB sneak, an honorable play, where one man tries to nudge his way forward through the line. He doesn't need three grown-ass men behind him shoving him like some people do Jalen 
So for shame that they ever get compared. They should never. It's not a QB sneak. It's an exploit. And in next year, I guarantee you, it's illegal. And they won't apologize for it, obviously. But they need to go and put an asterisk next to any stat related to fourth and one, third and one, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Say something nice. The Buccaneers did stop the play one time. They then ran it the next goddamn play and got it, but it doesn't matter. They We did stop them one time. Yeah, the infamous Bush push, right? I mean, that play was made famous in 2006 by Reggie Bush, nonetheless, when he pushed Matt Leiner. Maybe it was 05. Yeah, 05. Um, when he pushed Matt Leiner into the end zone against Notre Dame. And that's when I believe they outlawed the play in college, right? So I agree, Zach, it is exploitative. I don't like the play at all. It is essentially a QB sneak, but with <laughs> with three grown men pushing, you know, the quarterback behind him. And it, it is almost impossible to stop. I also think it's impossible to know where the hell the ball's forward progress stops, right? Like you can't see anything in there. So I like there was that first time they ran it and they gave him the first down and I'm on the TV like screaming like there's no effing way he got to that yellow line that I'm seeing on the TV until basically all the grown men below him let you know kind of grabbed him and you know pushed him enough you know like to me his forward progress should be stopped at the point of the apex of where he goes right like that should be if you're gonna run that play that's what the ref should call. I don't like the play. I hope it gets banned next season. It should. I personally don't see any difference between exploiting that and deflating footballs um, in terms of helping your team win in any, you know, in any case, right? I think it's just as bad for the game. Bryce, I could tell you how long the play lasts. It lasts until Jalen Hurts is given a first down. And then they go ahead and blow forward progress. It's done. Did he get enough? Okay, we're good now. It's just a form of leaping, right? It's already against the rules in football to intentionally get on the back of an offensive lineman. That's already a rule. So if the intention is just to push him up on top of the center and the guard to push him across the line, I don't understand how that's not already a penalty. Well, I think the biggest problem with it is is what you guys are saying. It's, it's, it's impossible to tell when that play is done until somebody's across the line. Like you're not gonna know when that forward progress is stopped until some once those people are pushing them until they get at least a yard or two. So it's almost like a guaranteed yard play because just from the design, it's it makes the ref's jobs very difficult to determine whether or not the play is over. I I also draw a huge issue in the modern NFL, and this is a, a slightly off topic, with the use of the chain gang. That's absolutely ridiculous that you're going to carry a linked chain out onto the field and and know exactly where the ball is going to be spotted and you're going to measure it from there. That's absolutely ridiculous. You, we have the technology to know exactly on the field where that ball is down to the micrometer. And we don't, it's like they got, they they advertise all those Amazon web service, you know, super data stats. And (laughs) to your point, we're still using chains to decide where the ball. Yeah. There's no excuse for that. in, I believe the Premier League still uses or now uses the the sensor in the ball, so you know exactly where the ball is. I you can do that in in American football very easily. We still have an unofficial yellow line 
for all for all the AWS analytics and everything, you still can't ever really rely on what they tell you the first downline is. It just it seems crazy to me. Uh, yeah, I the end of sentence. <laughs> yeah, the other thing that I I really find frustrating with the push play, and it all stems off of that forward progress because he's never going to be down by contact or out of bounds. The, the three guys behind him, which, by the way, I think at one point last night included A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. Those are mountains of human beings that are getting to push this 5'6 quarterback. I think that one of the most egregious parts is those guys are unimpeded. Like, the defense cannot get to them at all. It, it's almost impossible to stop, and it definitely needs to be banned. It's also just not safe. Like, for those defensive linemen, they're in a position where they have to get so low that they're just going to be suffocated down there or risk, you know, they have Lane Johnson cutting them at the, at the point of contact. It's, I don't think it's a very safe play. It's creating a dog pile for the, for the sake of it. Like not a fan, not for me. Speaking of Lane Johnson, another thing I noticed last game was his, you know, clearly half a second to a second false start, if you will, um, to be able to get out to his blocking position. I know he's been doing it for a while. There's been debate yeah. about it as well, of whether that should be legal or not. Um, so, yeah, the Philadelphia Eagles are just taking a you know page out of Bill Belichick's books by what are the rules and what can we do to exploit them without actually breaking them? Where are the boundaries, right? Yeah. And the announcers, the the Joe Buck, you know, these, these guys, they're going to continue to pat these teams on the back the entire game for these exploits until – enough of the fan base in the NFL gets upset about it and then they'll change their, their minds. But to sit there and listen to the game, you, you think that that was the most common play in the NFL. They were like, Oh, they're going forward again. It was just ugly. It, it's ugly to watch it happen. And then to have the announcers rooting against you to let it happen. It was, it was just ugly. Last night's game was ugly and hard to watch. Say something nice. Uh, the Eagles, tried to run a variant of it where they faked that they were going to do it. And then Jalen Hurts tripped over his own feet and fell on his ass and got tackled for a loss. So say something nice. When they tried to get cute with it, we made them eat it. That's something nice. For the Bucks. for the Bucks. Yeah. Say something nice. You didn't fall for their dumb gimmick shit. <laughs> I would like to give a shout out to our friend Tyler, who made a comment that I agreed with that Jalen Hurts is uh, one injury to the offensive line away from becoming Justin Fields which I think is very true. That man has like no awareness back there. And he just has, he's at Bama again. He just has five star tools all around him that just keep him in his, you know, little cocoon. Let a small market team start using it. And then they'll, then they'll get rid of it. Let, let a small market team start using that to, to get themselves into the playoffs and it'll be over quick. Like the MLB banning the shift after the Rays like used it for so yeah. long. Yeah. That is exactly the same thing. That is exactly. They're, they're probably going to ban the opener in like five years too, so we can't do that either. Your starting you, pitcher is going to have to go point. a certain amount of innings. You're going to be capped at how many pitchers you can use in a game. If we were using that push play to beat the Eagles on Monday Night Football, they'd hold an emergency owners meeting this weekend, and it would be shut down. Guys, let's wrap up week three with our one of our favorite segments, What the Buck, Bro. This is where we go through around the NFL, what were the biggest follies, biggest laughs you got out of the week. And I think I'm going to kick us off here. 
the Minnesota Chargers, or the Minnesota Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Minnesota Vikings faced off in an 0-2 showdown. And the epitome of Charger decision-making on fourth and one from their own 24-yard line, the, <laughs> the coaching wisdom of the LA Chargers decided to go for it with less than two minutes left and failed to get it, giving the Minnesota Vikings an opportunity to win the game with a touchdown and a very short field to do it. I, I thought the decision was mind-boggling. Trust your defense. You got a good one. But as we know, the Vikings will vike. Zach? Yeah, let me take the other side of that equation. Uh, the Vikings get the ball at the short field, and they immediately find themselves in a fourth down situation. Uh, but they convert that fourth down. They get the ball to the six-yard line. There are 37 seconds left when they have the ball on the six. They have no timeouts. Normal brain would say, let's snap the ball and spike it. And now we have a few plays to work with here in over 30 seconds. Kirk Cousins can't hear his his coach in his headset, in his helmet, and absent the logic of anybody other than Kirk Cousins, you know, he's panicking and decides to waste 25 seconds calling a play himself. That play uh, turns out to be an interception in the end zone to lose the game. I, I can't even understand if I'm a Vikings fan, I feel like I've gouged my eyes out. I don't know what I would have just seen. I don't know how you go from ball in the six, 37 seconds, to 12 seconds left, interception, we lose the game. Unbelievable. Uh, Kirk Cousins needs to spend more time reading his brainwaves if there are any. That was a wild play. Yeah, that's the epitome of two 0-2 teams trying to lose the game, for sure. Vikings won that battle to lose the game from two 0-2 teams to another 0-2 team that got the better of a 2-0 team. John, what the buck, bro? The Cardinals and the Cowboys. This is a textbook example of the Cowboys looking past an opponent. They had other things on their schedule. They knew they had the Pats coming up, and obviously that big date with the 49ers on October the 8th. And I don't think they even expected the Cardinals to want to win this game, but boy, did they. The Arizona Cardinals averaged nearly eight yards a play for the entire game against the Cowboys. The Cowboys had 15 penalties, two were two were denied um, for a total of like 117 yards. They played as poorly as they could play. And I think they got exposed a little bit. Um, you now know how to beat them. I didn't even realize Joshua Dobbs was quarterbacking over there. That, that was just a fun game to watch a team bewildered in their loss. Because you had guys trying, like Tony Pollard, I think, at 120-some yards. Michael Gallup was playing good. The The Cardinals had a receiver with two catches and 95 yards. I mean, it was it was an absolute embarrassment by the Cowboys' defense, and it was just so much fun. I don't know what the Cowboys were thinking, but it wasn't thinking about winning a football game. Yeah, they get dragged down to the 2-1 and one realm along with our Buccaneers. Good for us, bad for them. But Bryce, let's go to your what the buck, bro. Pretty much the talk of the league this week. Somebody got their ass handed to them. Yeah, it would have definitely been the talk of the league had it not been for a certain uh, tight end inviting a certain famous girlfriend to watch his game. Um, that being said, 
Uh, speaking of gouging your eyes out, if you were a Broncos fan this week, woo, what a performance your team put on the field. Uh, you know, I don't think I've ever seen an NFL team allow 70 points, and it could have been and should have been 73, which would have tied the all-time record for amount of points scored in a game. I, I just don't know. Like, it, it, apparently they just – they must have just gave up at the second half because I don't know how else you explain that your NFL players that allow, I mean, Austin PA, a, a division two or three team probably doesn't allow 70 points a game more than, you know, maybe once a season, if not at all during the season, right? That it's just an embarrassment to call yourself an NFL defense and allow that many points to be scored on you. I get it. Miami's got a lot of fast guys. Tyreek, I mean, Jenny Wong wasn't even playing that game, and they still burned him, ran all over him. They allowed two, I think there was two 200-yard rushers, each have like three or four touchdowns. I mean, if you were, if you had any of those guys on your fantasy team, round of applause, you probably whooped ass this year. I mean, geez. Uh, I mean, I, I relish in the fact that Sean Payton is struggling so much as a Broncos quarterback, not just solely for the fact that he was the old Saints coach, but the fact that he gave Nathaniel uh, Hackett shit to begin the season, saying there's no way it could be any worse. <laughs> Better take a long look in the mirror, buddy, because it's a lot worse than it was last year. I was just about to say, no offense to Broncos fans, I absolutely love that Sean Payne got his ass handed to him. I, like you said, relished in that. I was like, yeah, go Screw yourself, Sean. I hate you. All offense. All offense to the Broncos fans. All offense. That's what they get. It's a tough weekend to be a Colorado football fan, for sure. All right, guys. Well, let's wrap up week three. We're going to head into week four. And like I said, it's a big matchup. We've got our first division uh, matchup against the Saints. It's huge game implications because, like I said, we're both 2-1, and one, both vying for a spot atop the NFC South, and this is going to set the tone for the rest of the season. So, guys, what are we looking for? What are we looking for the Bucks to do to get the victory come Sunday? Resilience. We need to be – we need to come out of this stronger. We need to play better. We need to to rally ourselves because we don't want to go into the off week on two straight losses. I think that'd be too much. I don't think Tobbles has the command of the locker room to rally us back after something like that. He's just not that good of a coach. I, I think we really truly need this win. I, it doesn't matter how we get it, whether we get it easy or hard, or we get it in the last minute on a, on a bad play call. I don't care how we get it. We need a win going into the off week. Yeah, I agree with you, John. Um, this is an important one. We got to win this one, right? Um, I know the defense is banged up. I believe Carlton and Jamel might be out for this game. But re regardless of that, I mean, you know, this is the Saints. This is the division rival. This is a game we got to get up for. I think we will. Todd Bowles knows um, that how important this game is. And I'll, I'll give him credit. He's 2-0 and as a coach against the Saints. So um, he's got that going for him. But I think all the things we've been talking about, in previous episodes regarding, you know, keys to the game, time of possession, being able to run effectively, still haven't been able to do that. When we get to the red zone, converting in the red zone, 
uh, defense getting pressure, uh, defense being able to keep the other team off the field, which we weren't really able to do against the Eagles. But that being said, I just think, to your point, John, come out, forget about against you know what happened against the Eagles, get ready, get pumped. This is for the division right here in week four. Then we get a bye week to you know get some of our players healthy. So leave it all on the field, gentlemen. Yeah, I, I think it's the biggest thing we have going for us is uh, it's not a primetime game, which will be great. Uh, you know, Jameis being the starter this week is definitely a blessing. He entered that game last week for the Saints. They had the lead and it, it squandered. You know, he didn't turn the ball over, but it's just wildly inefficient. They, they ended up hardly ever converting a third down once he got in. They get Kamara back, so I mean that obviously has got to be the focus, right? I mean they they lose Carr, they get Kamara, so we'll have to make sure that game plan for that. Hopefully he's rusty, but you have to think with Jameis that the focal point will be to get Kamara involved. He's the most dynamic playmaker uh, when healthy and not suspended, so that'll be I think a big key to the game, and hopefully Mike Evans can keep a cool head and we can limit the extracurriculars uh, and maybe even get some of these guys on defense back that have been out the past uh, couple weeks. That'd be nice too. Yeah, I mean, to that point, we need Kalaja Kansi to play. Uh, it's time for that pick to 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 bear some fruit because, you know, if Alvin Kamara is going to come back and Jameis Winston is going to look squirrely like he always does, you're you're absolutely right. They're just gonna they're just gonna try to get him the ball and beat us that way. And you need a big guy up front. And I don't know what's been going on with Vita Vea, but he's been taking a lot of plays off. And maybe he needs somebody to get in there and help him. And that was Kalasha Kansi's. You know, yeah, it, it's tough. So, um, you know, that that's really what we need. But we've we've had the Saints number over the past couple of seasons. Um, you know, the only person who really couldn't beat him was Brady. So, you know, we we can hopefully do a little bit better this week. Yeah, we're hoping for better. I think we got to get back to the old ways. Um, number one, just take care of the football. And we finally had a turnover against the Eagles, and those turnovers proved costly. So I think in a game like this where both divisional opponents are going to be scrappy. There's probably not going to be a whole lot of points scored. It's probably going to be a defensive battle and defensive struggle. Um, turnovers become the most important thing. So we got to be able to take care of the ball when we have it. And then, of course, on the defensive side, if you can get into Jameis um, and make him into some bad decisions, that's always easy for uh, a defense to to take advantage of. We've seen it time and again, 30 for 30 Jameis. You know, if you told if you told Bucks fans like, "Hey, we're after Game Three, we're gonna have the same record as the Bills and the Chiefs and the Ravens, and Baker's only gonna have one pick," you we would have taken that before the season all day long. That that was a great spot to be in. I think we, I think we are a better team than even we feel right now because last night's game was so ugly. But I think, you know, if we had been healthy, if you had had a Carlton Davis in there, if Jamel Dean had been able to play the whole game, maybe we put up a little bit better of a comeback. I I, I truly believe this team is is better set up for that. And I'm really hoping that with a win and an off week, we can get enough rest and get everybody back that the second half of this season is is the bomb. But I, 
I think we're, the way we've started makes me feel more confident, even with that loss last night. Oh, for sure. We're in a, in a great position. And like you said, it was a tough loss, but two and one is two and one. We're in a much better position than we would have thought going into the season. And we've got a chance. So bear down, understand the task in front of you and, and go get after it. And the Buck Bros have to understand the task in front of them, which is now picking your fantasy players for week four. So, Zach, can you kind of fill us in on the standings as they sit right now after week three? I certainly can. A little bit of shakeup in the standings. Not not at the top, but after the top. Uh, Bryce is still in first place. Uh, he had 36.9 last week to put him at 112.7, first across the triple-digit threshold. Uh, and second place now is yours truly with 88.88, uh, 36.56 points this week. Still not as many as Bryce. And then Ryan is in third. He had a nice 30.1 this week to get him to 84.5, but I did leapfrog him. And John. John did not have a good week. John had Daniel no dimes in there. And he had 16 total points. Uh, Daniel Jones accounted for, I think, four of those points. So John is sitting at 75.36. Looking for a bounce back here. I oh, man, is Daniel Jones off the board? Oh, Unfortunately, John did use up Daniel Jones in an, an electric four-point performance. He's off the board. What a week to snag him, John. <laughs> On a short week, Daniel Jones <laughs> gets those fraud 49ers. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, let's get to our picks for this week. And I think I kick us off for the Bucks. I think he's kind of proven himself as the number one target and the main point getter. Mike Evans is the obvious pick, I think, here. He's even on his down game where he had five drops, still scored 17 points. Um, he seems to be a reliable choice in this this year. So I'll go with Mike Evans. Does that make me next? It does, That's right? Okay. Yep. Okay. Mike's off the board. Uh, it's like one A B C. It's like uh, okay. Against the Saints, I'm gonna go with Baker. 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 The touchdown maker. Mayfield. Man. That right hurt. in his eye. Right in his oh, eye. That was going to be my boy. Oh, man. Ronald Jones? Ronald Jones? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> that's who's that's whose jersey I was wearing last night. Um, I uh, – is it me? It is, I believe. It is me, baby. I uh, – dang. That's tough sledding. Give me Chris Godwin with a two-touchdown performance. That leaves you Kate Otten, Bryce. <laughs> or another player that has disappointed me this season, and I will take Rashad White um, All right. with my pick. Maybe he'll get you know, maybe he'll pop one in the end zone or catch one or get 10 points, probably. That's he's consistently at the 10 point to 15 point range. Take the kicker, bro. McLaugh. I was oh, very shit. close. I didn't think that was that. my pause. Was do I want to take the kicker in the game like this? He could easily have three or four shots. 
Does it ever seem yeah. to you like Rashad White has like too long of like a hesitation in the backfield? I feel like he counts to like two Mississippi. Yeah, before. He, he doesn't hit the hole as yeah. hard as I'd hope he would. Um, but I'll still I'll take him. All I can tell you is that him and Rashad White as my RB1s and RB2s in fantasy are really letting me down, bro. They are really, really letting me down. They are <laughs> ugly. They are single-point performers every week, and it sucks. That's right. So you get to snake it, right? You get to go I I get across to, the board. Snake it. So I'm going to go with a guy who also had a pretty big game on Monday night, um, A.J. Brown, against the Commanders. I like that matchup. Okay, I've got it. I want Devontae Adams. Well, one of you is going to have a good good uh, performance. Oh, wait, Devontae Adams. Ryan, cut that. I definitely thought he said Devontae <laughs> Smith. Cut that shit. That didn't happen. <laughs> cut okay. that, cut that. Devontae Adams, okay. All right, so now it's on to me. <clears throat> Devontae Smith. Uh, <laughs> Josh Dobbs is on the board. Imagine. I don't know. It's, his lack of eyebrows freaks me out. Um, cut that too. I don't want to be alopecia insensitive on the record. Um, I am going to take guy who had a huge game. He's like the first player in NFL history to do something where he threw for a touchdown and caught like three or something. I'll take Keenan Allen. Solid pick. He was off against the uh, Vikings. He's ageless. I don't understand how he's still so productive. I that was the one I was going to pick. Oh, back to the drawing board. I know. Um, I guess I'll reward somebody else who had a big game. Uh, I'll take Mostert. Good call. I like him. He's like thirty. Yeah, but he's but still quick as shit. He said, "Uh." In an interview, he's like, I didn't really start playing until my fourth or fifth year, so I got fresh legs. I like that. Okay. All right. I've got everybody down. We'll see how those picks fare. Hopefully more than four points. It was 16, 16 cumulative points. Fair. But individual picks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Let's wrap it up here. We're going to wrap up the episode with our trackers, our social media trackers we've got to let's start off with our trivia question of the week what you know bro and i think we have a winner again from last week john can you help us out here yes i can and our bucks bro trivia winner uh from last week winner of the bucks sticker pack that'll get mailed out to you here this week was a gustavo bernal love it who knew that the bucks kicker ryan lindell was the answer to last week's question on who was the Bucks kicker when the Eagles last defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This week's trivia question is, who was the Saints quarterback during the Buccaneers' first franchise win? Who was the Bucks quarter? Or who was the Saints quarterback, excuse me, during the Bucks' first franchise win? Which was against the Saints. So it was against the Saints, obviously. Some uh, <laughs> that's some deep Bucks knowledge. Will be obviously we were twenty six and zero going, or excuse me, oh, 0, and 26. Oh, oh, 26. <laughs> we were zero and twenty six going into that game. It was game number twenty seven. We got our first win. Who was the Saints' legendary quarterback at that time? 
got his coach fired, got his team embarrassed. Great quotes coming out of that game. Who was that quarterback who gave up the booty to the Pirates from Tampa Bay? Was Hank Stram the coach? That just jumped into my mind. Does that yes, sound sir. right? Uh, he may have been. Grandpa's like speaking to me from beyond right now. Hank Stram. Hank Stram. Hank Stram. Hank Stram is correct. Hey, what do I get? Hey, I'll take a go. sticker pack. Hank Stram lamented, what a nightmare. It was the worst experience of my coaching career. We're all ashamed for our people, <laughs> for our fans, and for our organization. Stram fired the following day. Oh, my God. Copy wow. and paste, Sean Payton. Copy and paste. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he didn't give up 70. That's for damn sure. In the pregame warm-up, Saints quarterback stated it would be disgraceful to lose to Tampa Bay. After the win, Leroy Selman chanted, it's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. <laughs> Took him down a peg. That's what they get as the clock wound down. That's a great trivia question. All right. Some old school Bucks knowledge. Buck Bros, let's see if you guys know it. Put your answers on our Instagram. Make sure you follow at Buck Bros TV. Let's get to our other tracker going to the college side. We're looking at Caleb Williams for week number four. Zach, what's the new information on Caleb? Yes. Uh, so Caleb Williams had his worst game of the season this weekend, this past weekend. On the road against the Arizona State uh, Sun Devils. Yeah, Sun Devils. Um, unfortunately, he uh, only threw for 322 yards and three touchdowns and only ran for two more touchdowns. It was his worst performance of the season, statistically. Uh, Caleb Williams, for the year, now has 1,200 yards even on 15 touchdowns no interceptions, pretty good Heisman campaign follow-up uh, for Caleb Williams, who I am now convinced will see that the Bears will be the first overall pick and will choose to take an NIL bag and wait a year. But that's my conspiracy theory. I was going to say. Phoenix kid in Washington is looking pretty good this year, too. I wonder if any quarterback will come out if they see the Bears are picking at the top of the draft. With NIL money, they don't have to. Bears or Broncos, I don't know. Just take your bag, retire. I think they all have like eight years of COVID eligibility they can tap into. You want to get CT and forget your kids' names? No, I want to wear this broken Patek watch and go to the mall and spend my money. Speaking of that NIL money, isn't he going up against the Colorado Buffaloes and Shador Sanders this coming weekend, yeah? He is. He is. Yeah, I think. Big noon, whatever is going to be at Boulder. Dion's been a, a ratings killer, man. I think they 10 million people watched that Oregon versus Colorado game. That's impressive. I watched it. Yeah. It wasn't much of a football game. Deshaun Johnson said that other coaches helped in the game plan <laughs> against Colorado because they were so uh, jealous about, you know, Deion Sanders and, you know, his team being 3 0. Don't it's stomp great. on the logo at midfield. I think that's that's just like such a thing to so easily avoidable, and nothing's gonna fire them up more than that kind of stuff. I mean, like when Baker didn't he plant a flag, and then like Ohio State killed his ass or something. Or he planted the flag after they won, I believe. 
Oh, I thought he did something. I just, uh, he grabbed his nuts, but that was after a win, too. According to John, there's no disparaging of Baker on this. There will be no podcast. disparaging of the captain this week, okay? <laughs> you leave my captain. Oh, captain, my captain. Does daughter. he have a C? Does he have a C? I haven't noticed. We haven't. I don't think anybody has a C yet. Yeah, Todd Bowles has an assigned captain. Oh, God. Just put L's and D's like Dion. Who's a dog? Who's a leader? <laughs> dog. Devin White. Dog. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we need. That's what we should do next week. L's and D's, bro. That should be the segment next week. L's and D's. L's and D's. I love it. <laughs> Get a key. Dog. <laughs> D Delaney didn't even know he could catch the ball, dog. Yeah, I want that's a that's gonna be a great segment. It's just gonna be John, dog, dog, dog. Mike, Mike Evans, Donovan Smith, bum. <laughs> Can we make a new segment called B Bum? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Straight bum. Donovan Smith every week. I love you saw Donovan Smith on Sunday. What a bum. Can we have a Donovan Smith tracker? I totally could I could totally mock that up. Smith didn't he go didn't he go down for the season? Did he? I didn't see that. Oh, I don't no know. Idea. He's got I one thought, catch on the year already. I <laughs> loved stats. I loved watching Mahomes get seriously injured and Donovan Smith is just watching the guy he's blocking just fall to the ground. Donovan Smith is like, hey. Missed you. I think guy's ripping Mahomes' ankles in half. So those are Caleb Williams' stats for week four. All right, Buck Bros, that's going to do it for us this week. We've got week four coming up against the Saints. We hope you guys are getting rowdy. Hope you're looking forward to our first divisional matchup in 2023. We're going to be bringing all the Bucks information, all the Bucks news with you every week. So make sure you're staying tuned with us and you're following us at Buck Bros TB. We'll hope to see you next week. But for now, go Bucks. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Plus three, but I like the under 40 and a half. He correctly answered, when was the last season the Bucks beat each NFC North? You know, that was the week before's question. Oh, no, my script is bad. <laughs> Try it again. Uh, don't don't cut that. I knew who the Bucks kicker was uh, the last time the Eagles beat the Bucks. Now say it like you know it. Oh, <laughs> say it like you mean it. I don't have it in front of me, which is hard because I have a – I have a smooth brain, slick. Ryan Lindell. Oh, Ryan Lindell. Yes, he did know. Okay, so last week's trivia winner would be Gustavo Bernal, who knew that uh, Romeo Cornell was the Bucks kicker. No, who was it? What was his name? Ryan Lindell. Ryan Lindell. Lindell. R.I.P. Romeo Cornell. Is he dead? I don't know. He was very large. I assume he uh, died. Uh, got that, please.